Welcome to this week's very special episode of General Education. I'm Eduardo Campo, the podcast editor here at the Daily Trojan for the fall 2020 semester. Today, I give the honor of hosting to Deputy Wellness Director Karen Navadia and Sofia Sinisa, our Director of Wellness and Recruitment. There's been so much that's been going on since we were last at USC. The coronavirus pandemic continues to affect us all. We're in the midst of one of the largest social justice movements that was sparked after the police killing of George Floyd. And we're also experiencing the biggest economic depression, well, since the Great Depression. It's definitely a lot to have to deal with emotionally and psychologically. That's why Sophia and Karen are today interviewing Dr. Kelly Greco, Assistant Director of Outreach and Prevention Services. Talk about the services and actions that USC is doing for the betterment of its students and how we can try to maintain our well-being. With all that said, hope you enjoy the interview. So hi, my name is Karin Navadia. I'm the um, Deputy uh, Wellness Director for the Daily Trojan. Um, hi, my name is Sophia Saniza, and I am the Director of Wellness and Recruitment for the Daily Trojan. And today we're interviewing Kelly Greco, who is the um, Assistant Director of Outreach and Prevention Services at, um, at USC's Mental Health Services. Um, Dr. Greco, can you introduce yourself for us, please? Sure. Um, hi, I'm Dr. Kelly Greco. Uh, I am a psychologist and have been here at USC for 15 years. Um, Assistant Director of Outreach and Prevention Services here at Counseling and Mental Health Services uh, with Student Health. I'm also a clinical associate professor at the Keck, Medi uh, Keck School of Medicine in the Department of Psychiatry. Awesome. So um, as the university continues to grapple with the far-reaching effects of the pandemic. What do you think are the main aspects of students' mental health that will be impacted by social distance, um, isolation? Yeah, I think in terms of when we look at this, I think it's important to start with um, kind of the big picture for all of us with the state of our mind, our mental health, uh, physical, um, you know, kind of medical is that well-being, right? So we're looking at well-being is, as the CDC, the Center of Disease Control, it looks at that this is very subjective. This is my self-report of how I'm doing, right? How am I doing in the midst of COVID, in the midst of the social political climate, um, you know, all the world events, being online, uh, social distancing, like you said. So when we look at our well-being, it's very subjective and it's about how am I coping and so it, it's really important to look at what are the decisions that I'm making every day to cope with this, my coping skills, my resources, and the support system I have. Um, so it's really important to kind of look at all of those things will then lead me to having positive mental health, thriving, being resilient in a very difficult time in our world and in our, in our, in our USC community. Um, so I think that's really important to look at overall. Um, and Dr. Greco, would you mind speaking up, uh, out a little bit about the current mental health services that USC is providing to help students address a lot of these problems going on right now? Sure. So um, like you may know and the community that we shifted to telemedicine, teletherapy back in March when this all happened. Um, and the transition has been that we are seeing students 
online um, using Zoom, um, which is HIPAA compliant confidential settings, um, whether you're speaking to a medical provider or a mental health, you go on my SHR and you can um, schedule those appointments, which would be anything from an outreach drop-in all the way to something clinical of one-on-one -on -one or group or psychiatry. So what I mean by that is there's different levels of what we all need in the midst of just daily life, whether we're in COVID or not. Um, but sometimes people just need a workshop. So during COVID, um, we had a sleep workshop and an anxiety workshop, and those were highly attended um, and quite popular, which is understandable because those are two things that are impacting all of us in the midst of um, the current culture. So, um, so it could be workshops. Uh, you may be familiar with Let's Talk. Let's Talk is not therapy. It is a drop-in outreach, which allows you, again, to sign up on my SHR, and it's to talk with the clinician for about 20, 30 minutes about coping skills, resources, problem solving, because our mindset and how we think and our decisions and our coping skills will make or break in terms of how we're dealing with all the stress. And so we really want to have conversations with people of, you know, uh, looking at, you know, am I increasing self-compassion? Am I decreasing my expectations? Um, what's my plan of action of dealing with my stress? What is my support system? So when we look at people that are thriving and resilient, the research shows that that sense of belonging and community are number one. So we know that you and I all have to virtually connect. Everything takes more time, more being more intentional. Um, so we're having these conversations of how are we connecting and taking care of ourselves in this virtual world. Um, so you mentioned telemedicine. As we could expand a little bit on like how um, the the formats that you'll be offering services in will be different. Like, will there still be in-person sessions or is it all online? How will like group therapy work and are all the individual sessions online as well? Yeah, so um, right now the majority is online. However, um, there always is a few people, like you'll see I'm in my office right now, so I'm in the building as we speak. So there's always a few of us in the building to deal with eminent situations that cannot be addressed online, but everything starts with online. And then if it is something that um, cannot be addressed, there's a few of us on the ground at all times. There's always someone to be um, speaking to even after hours with calling the one main number of student health, the 740-WELL. 740-9355, always telling students to have that in your phone um, because it could be a call to ask about my insurance plan or a medical or mental health or RSVP. So um, we always have individuals available even after hours um, to assist. Um, so we're, we're here even if a crisis comes up in the middle of the night, but the majority to answer your question is online just so that we're all safe in the midst of COVID. Um, and then what suggestions would you have for students kind of self-care? I know you kind of mentioned a little bit to be thinking about reaching out as much as you can, even if it's virtual, but what specifically can students do to self-soothe? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think something that all of us, including myself, are, you know, in the midst of dealing with every day um, because things change every day, right? Um, 
So I think the one thing um, that is really important to look at is we all know that this is such a time of whether it's the racial, political climate, COVID, um, financial stressors, being online, a loss of control, right? Uncertainty. Um, and so in order to be in a state of uncertainty, which we're all in now, um, we have to look at what I can control. Um, and so one of the things that's really important, and we see this in the research, and I actually teach these three steps that actually come from a researcher, um, Dr. Salvador Maddy, who's out of UC Irvine, who's done years of research since the 70s on the three C's of resiliency. Um, and one of the C's is control. We have got to focus on what we have control over and expend our energy on that and let go of what we can't, right? So I can control how much news I watch. I can control what I do during my day. If I take a break and take a walk, if I take something off my plate, if I assert myself, right? Um, you know, so we've got to focus on what we can control and let go of what we can't. Um, and we need the other thing too that I've been telling students, and again, everything I'm speaking about, I'm using in my own personal life too, is structure. In uncertainty, we've got to develop structure. So I saw a lot of students, um, for good reason, struggling with, well, my schedule isn't as packed and I'm not on campus and my internship now isn't happening, but we've got to build that structure in. So like every hour, what are we doing? Even if it's like, for this hour, I'm doing laundry. For this hour, I'm going to take a walk. For this hour, I'm going to binge on Netflix, right? We've got to have structure. And then we also have to practice what gives us meaning and purpose, right? What are our interests? What are our um, passions? So Dr. Maddie talks about the other C is um, in terms of commitment. So I don't know about you, but in the midst of COVID and in this culture, what gives me meaning has changed, right? I'm living more in the present moment than I ever have. I am focusing more on family and friends. And I'm even focusing more on my own self-care because all of our distractions have been removed from all of us. So we're kind of forced to look at some things maybe that we haven't been able to, and we now may have the time to do so. Um, so what gives us meaning and purpose um, may shift. And if it shifts, then we need to create new meaning but we've got to build in that structure if it doesn't exist already. Um, the other thing I wanna say too that is really important is looking at this, and this comes from Dr. Maddie as well, as can, um, in terms of challenge, that you and I face challenges all the time, right? Um, and how many of us get frustrated very quickly of like, I'm on Zoom all day and I've got Wi-Fi issues or it drops out or, you know, this happened or that happened or this disappointment or that loss. And those little things that may not have been upsetting pre-COVID, I feel like now are more upsetting because we have fatigue, we're burned out, we're tired, we're stressed. Um, there's a lot we're being stimulated with, with the news and where we are in our culture. So we've got to look at things that come our way of what is the challenge, right? How can I move in and lean into this where I feel that I got this and I'm okay. So like I actually just did a talk yesterday for students and I said, we need to tell ourselves that we're okay and um, we've got this even if we don't feel that we have it. Because what I tell myself will really lead to my performance and my mindset and my mood. Um, and the more we say that, the more we then make decisions to get to that place. So I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely.
Um, so you mentioned the financial situation and like students losing their internship and other jobs. Can you talk a little bit about how like um, financial stress is affecting students and ways we can combat that? Yeah, that's a big one. Um, you know, that's at the top of the list, um, I think for all of us in terms of, you know, whether it could be, I, I don't have that paid internship, I've lost my job, my parents have lost their job, my partner has, right? Um, so financial stress is, is, is up there. And so I think it goes back to looking at two things and it, again, I'm, I'm being a little bit of a broken record of looking at what are my resources, right? So what are my resources on campus? You know, do I need to talk to financial aid? Do I need to talk to my advisor? Do I need to drop into a let's talk at counseling or even get into counseling to talk about how to navigate this and also getting the support that I may need? Um, so what are your resources? And utilizing that and even my support systems, right? You and I need people to talk to, to vent to, right? I always say, and this comes up in the research, is it's not the quantity of relationships or people in my life, it's the quality. So it's not that I have 500 Instagram or Facebook friends, it's that I have one or two people that I can vent to and they have unconditional acceptance and regard for me and I can be me. And that is what we need is quality and relationships to help ground us with something like financial stressors. Um, so, so I think in terms of that, and then looking at what do I have control over, right? So I have control over, you know, getting my CV out or talking to this person or networking and focusing more on what I have control over versus what I don't. So one of the things that I talk a lot about in some of my workshops is that what if, well, what if I don't find a job? What if, you know, I, you know, they cut my hours. What if I can't do this, right? Those what ifs are that catastrophizing that you and I do all the time. And we've got to recognize we're doing that and go, what's the evidence that I have that that's gonna happen? It hasn't even happened. So why am I expending this energy and time? Again, it's normal. It happens to all of us because there is such thing as negativity bias. Our brains are wired to go to the negative. That's just how we're all wired as human beings. So we've got to be intentional and practice more on challenging the negative thoughts what's the evidence, and then having more positive thoughts, gratitude, how is the glass half full and not half empty? What do I have in my life, right? So something I shared um, in a talk I did recently, because this was really um, impacted me personally, of I feel like you and I, including myself, can give you a list of stressors we have every day. And someone um, that I was meeting with one day said, I'm really great because I have my health, right? Um, and so it's, it's kind of like recognizing that, and then even if I don't have my health and I'm struggling and I'm sick, you know, what, what do I have and what can I do to help move forward and get through this? So again, it's not that I'm hit with all this stress, it's my reactions, my coping skills, and my support that I'm using to help move through it and not stay stuck. And so here's another, this might be similar with thinking about you know, having our health and what other resources we may have access to. But for a lot of people, uh, being stuck at home has meant to increase, uh, has led to increased rates of suicide and abuse and being unable to escape from kind of otherwise really unhealthy and toxic environments at home. So other than kind of the telehealth resources, 
what can you kind of say from a clinical perspective of, you know, how, how people can look after themselves if they do find themselves in these really kind of unhealthy spaces right now? That's a great point and a great question because so many people are in the midst of being forced to be in these, you know, toxic or very difficult, challenging environments and situations, right? Having to live and reside and be with people that um, may be, um, you know, strained relationships or relationships that are difficult to cope with. So, yeah, so we've had discussions and reaching out to a Let's Talk, to a workshop. We have a workshop on healthy relationships. We have a workshop on stress management that kind of helps look at what are the coping skills where I can either, you know, assert myself, change my reactions, remove myself, even if I have to live in this environment, and then what are my resources to help build in some healthy coping skills, even if I'm surrounded with something that's more toxic or dysfunctional, right? Um, again, very challenging, and this is one of our greatest challenges, like financial, in terms of that we sometimes have to live. Um, but again, this is another reason to reach out to counseling and mental health is to have the conversation of what are my options if I am surrounded by that? How can I cope differently? How can I react differently? What can I do? Um, so, but it's a great point and something that we've, we've got to really look at if we're in the midst of that. Um, so kind of shifting gears a little bit along with COVID, another major um, thing that the world is kind of dealing with right now is a reckoning around racism and diversity and inclusion. Um, so I was wondering if you can talk about where systemic racism shows up in mental health and how um, mental health affects people of different races differently. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we look at that, the first thing, and I know a, a lot of us here are working on this, is accessibility, right? There are certain communities where the stigma may be so high or there may be barriers, right? It's not okay to reach out to a third party um, or, you know, if, if someone finds out that I'm going to therapy, I may be, you know, kind of shunned or there may be negativity or it's not okay or they just, um, the accessibility isn't there like it may be for more privileged communities. So we're looking at how can we get outside of our offices and into the community? And as I oversee outreach and prevention, that's part of my job at all times, COVID or non-COVID, of how can we look at community engagement and really embrace certain communities that are e either experiencing oppression or racism or the barriers and let's decrease the stigma and increase accessibility. So one of the things that people may not know that we've always had for years is community liaisons. So like there are certain staff uh, here at counseling that are cultural center liaisons. So they're embedded in the cultural centers, working with the cultural center directors, with the community. Um, so again, we're getting outside of our offices into certain communities whether we're doing workshops, whether we're just being there and being present and having conversations about how to decrease the stigma um, and increase accessibility, as well as increase, one of the big buffers for all of us um, is protective factors, right? So that could be coping skills, that could be hope, that could be a sense of belonging. So really kind of having these discussions outside of a clinical setting of, what can I do to increase positive mental health and increase my well-being? Um, and that's why we have workshops and that's why we have outreach on college campuses to get out there and have these discussions, um, as well as working really closely with students 
of having discussions with the students. And so I work closely with student organizations as well as other leadership here of empowering them to have voices to give us feedback about what can we do to either promote, collaborate, or work together. Um, so that accessibility um, can be, you know, more equal as while we're decreasing the stigma. So it's a, again a work in progress, but we are we are doing a lot. Um, we have um, in in terms of when. Uh, the protests started happening and so forth. We have had um, a lot of requests and we've been out there in the community with our clinicians um, in terms of facilitating conversations about what we can do individually and as a collective to combat racism, increase social justice, and change the system. You know, again, all these issues, whether it's racism, suicide, substance use, sexual assault, right? It's all public health issues that we need to tackle as a company. Um, and not just as individual departments. Um, speaking a little bit about how, so right now, like taking on kind of new projects and initiatives that can specifically help out students of color, could you speak a little bit about how like racism and microaggressions um, and even like small everyday comments can kind of build up over time and how, you know, racism plays a role in really degrading um, mental health and, you know, perpetuating mental health problems? Yeah, I think, you know, what we see is, and again, I just, my disclaimer is I'm being general, right? Because we know there's so many, it's so just us as human beings and the different layers of identity that we all have. Um, it's complicated. So I, I want to make sure that, you know, this is, I'm being very general um, uh, and don't want to minimize the individual um, aspects. But we know with microaggressions um, that, and, you know, that it can impact our uh, state of mind and it can really impact my state of like self, right? Of me internalizing and personalizing and not being accepted um, in terms of, you know, what's wrong with me and, and really we know, and I hear this from students all the time of the different layers of like it's happening more frequently and more often of that you just, you feel beat up and you feel, that this is impacting just my sense of self, right? And so we have to really step out of that and kind of look at that what that person is saying in their judgment is not a reflection of who I am. It's a reflection of them not having insight and maybe a reflection of their privilege. Um, and so we have to be very mindful, right, of how we absorb and how that comes into us and how we internalize that. It is so difficult and not an easy task but again, having to be intentional to how do we not take that on? So that's why I think when we come together with communities that look like us, that have similar um, experiences, that it normalizes of like, oh, that happens to you, that happens to me. And this is my reaction. Oh, that's your reaction. We need to normalize and validate, right? So that's why sometimes we need to bring communities together that are the same to help build that but then also to look at how are we coping with that so we don't internalize and that doesn't impact our mental health and state of mind where then it leads to um, you know, a lower sense of self or I don't feel like I can, um, you know, it then impacts my performance, it impacts me getting out of bed, it impacts my you know, ability to function day to day to my full potential. 
So I don't, I don't know if that kind of answered it, but those off the top of my head kind of looking at how we can protect ourselves from not internalizing that and come together as a community to talk about it and talk about what it looks like because we know it does look different in different communities, even though there are general things that we all share in terms of um, how one may experience microaggressions. But um, we need to have more conversations about this. And, you know, again, I'm always saying it's not that we all have biases, it's what we do with them. And it's that we have the insight and we have the curiosity and we have the open, flexible ability to look at, you know, how I say something or how something is delivered could be a microaggression. Um, so that curiosity and that openness is what we all need. So expanding on that, are there any like specific resources or workshops that are specifically for students of color that they can access at USC? Um, yeah, in terms of the cultural centers um, have workshops um, that we're, we're always partnering with the different um, cultural centers with the workshops that are offered. Um, and uh, so, so there are things in terms of workshops uh, already within uh, student affairs that are offered to students. Um, and then we come in a lot of times we're asked whether it's through student affairs or whether it's an academic department. In the midst of all this, we've been asked to come in and kind of have the lens of how does that impact your mental health and what can we do so that, you know, kind of like the last question is so that we're not, it doesn't decrease our sense of well being and um, we can feel, and you know, when this happens to us, how can we, you know, take a stance where we're empowered and, um, and, and what are our resources, you know, and so, you know, one of the resources, and you may already know this too, is about, um, you know, through student affairs about the bias reporting um, that students can anonymously or, you know, go online and report bias reporting as well if that happens to them. Um, and so kind of looking at all the different resources, whether it's reaching out to counseling, the cultural centers, um, Title IX, just different in terms of uh, resources, RSVP, um, when we look at whether it's, you know, on all aspects of diversity, whether it's race, culture, gender, so forth. I think one of the things that's really important for you to know that the community may not know too is um, I work really closely. We have a multicultural coordinator here who's another clinician, and she and I have been tag teaming this whole time and continue to of looking at how do we reach out to vulnerable communities, marginalized communities, what are we doing about microaggressions, racism, oppression. Um, and so in having these conversations and supporting um, the mental health and the well-being of the community. Um, and I think that's really important too. And I'm trying to look at how can we be proactive and get ahead, especially as we're looking at the election coming up this semester of how can we support the community um, as, you know, as there's just so much going on, whether it's COVID, the election, you know, um, what we're seeing in terms of injustice. So uh, there, we are looking at how do we all come together, like Jeremy is saying, there's so many different clinicians that are on different diversity and equity committees. Um, but I think, you know, that's really important to know too, that our multicultural coordinator is working really hard here at Counseling um, on this issue specifically. Great. Um, I think that's all the questions we have for you. Is there anything else you want to add or um, anything else you want to promote for student health? Um, yeah, I, just in terms of just to kind of normalize and validate um, how difficult this is, I hear a lot of 
um, individuals um, just talk about, you know, gosh, I keep forgetting things. I can't do what I used to. I don't feel like I'm on my game. My performance academically has changed. And just to normalize that in the midst of living on Zoom and living with um, significant stress and think about all the information we're getting daily from social media and news, um, it's a lot of negativity all at once. So really um, increasing self-compassion, decreasing that self-critical voice and um, really giving yourself a break and knowing that this is a very stressful time and you can't do what you used to do. So I always tell students, what I did pre-COVID is very different than what I'm doing now in terms of I may not be able to do as much. Um, I may be able to get to a few things on my to-do list versus 10 before COVID. I may be more fatigued. And so that means I have to be more intentional to focus on getting good sleep, eating well. We have to be intentional on connecting with people. Exercising looks very different with our now our gyms closed, right? or even when our parks and beaches were closed, right? It just takes more energy to do things, but we've got to keep those basic coping skills, eating, sleeping, and exercise up to make sure that we have positive mental health and well-being. Um, so just, just really giving yourself a break that it's tough. We're making mistakes because we're human under a lot of adversity. Um, so again, you know, resiliency, you know, the definition of it is about adapting in the midst of adversity. Um, so we need to constantly adapt sometimes every day or every week. Um, and so just, it's about making decisions um, that put ourselves first and our self-care and our mental health first. Hey, thank you so much. Um, Sophie, do you have anything else to ask? No, I don't. I just wanted to say thank you so much, Dr. Greco. Um, I mean, your insight and advice was really, really helpful, I think, for everybody at the Daily Trojan and also just to disseminate more widely around the university and that everybody kind of knows about the resources that are available and can kind of normalize what we're all feeling right now through these really unprecedented times. So I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, and that's my hope and wish for students is, is to really decrease that negative voice where we're putting pressure on ourselves and high expectations of like, nope, we got to lower the expectations. We got to be kind to ourselves and we need to be kind to others and, and continue to have curiosity and flexibility in our thinking um, to really get through where we're at. Um, so, um, so yeah, so like, you know, a lot of times we don't have that curiosity and flexibility when we're dealing with ourselves. Um, so we, we say things to ourselves that we necessarily wouldn't say to a loved one. Um, and we've, we've really got to be self-compassionate in the midst of all this adversity. Thank you to Sophia and Karin for conducting this very important interview to talk about something that we oftentimes might not like to bring up. If you want to read more stories on the reflections of students during these last five months, check out our very first issue for the fall 2020 semester online at dailytrojan.com. Once again, thanks for tuning into General Education, and we'll see you next time.